Welcome into Big Talk, college sports with a Midwest perspective, blue collar and blue blood. I'm Dalton Scheller alongside Sam Sprunger. Sam, how we doing? It is uh, a Friday. It's it's a fantastic day. It just it's it's always great uh, getting into the weekend to where fun things happen during basketball like season. Big Ten ba- basketball. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I mean, come on. Look, I'm I'm on top of the world right now. <laughs> Wearing the Purdue sweater, you should be feeling good. The Boilermakers now with a two and a half game lead as we start really kind of winding down the home stretch of the Big Ten season. But boy, there are some fireworks to discuss, and I think maybe yeah. uh, the biggest place to start is what happened in Iowa City last night, where Caitlin Clark becomes the all-time leading scorer in NCAA women's basketball history. She passes Kelsey Plum. She did it in style. She needed eight points to get there. She scores the first eight points for the Hawkeyes in the ball game, <laughs> draining that eighth point from a, a logo three. It was the most Clark style thing yep. uh, to, to achieve this, this great feat. And then she goes on to score a career high 49 points, sets a program record, drains nine threes, dished out, I think, 13 assists in the process as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, I, it was just an unbelievable performance in one. Uh, where the ticket prices for that game <laughs> was won. Oh, you went you went mute. We can't hear you. There we are. Now you're oh. back. <laughs> I think we lost each other for a minute. I think you shifted off my AirPods too. So yeah, you're back to not on. So Dalton, you're having issues with the uh, with your ears. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and just bury the ears. There we go. There we go. Now we can hear you. There we go. Now we can hear you. Ooh, now we're getting a feedback. Now we're getting me feedbacking. Feeding back. This is not a good morning for you, Dalton. <laughs> it's really not. Nothing there is we go. working for me. There we okay, go. I think I'm back to you. Okay. AirPods are gone. Uh, <laughs> this was supposed to start with a computer. We've shifted to a phone, AirPods, the whole nine yards, whatever. Okay, so Love back technology. to Caitlin Clark. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> back to Caitlin Clark. Um, Clark just had a, an absolutely amazing performance. And, again, we talked about, I, I think the point we're getting to before we ran into an issue was the average ticket price was around $520, I think, somewhere Insane. in that range. And it, it's the most that there's ever been for a women's basketball game. It's the highest price. And people got their money's worth out of that performance. Sorry, you caught me. I, of course, I thought you were having had a little bit more. I went to take a drink. Um, yeah, that that's the kick. Is they came for a record? No, I was just seeing if you do this. If you do the same thing, stop mid drink. Uh, they they came for a record. They knew it was going to happen. She needed eight points. There was there was little to no way she wasn't going to break it that game against Michigan. There just wasn't much of a chance that she wouldn't. Um, I think in her entire playing career, she's only had one game where she scored single digits, so it was a lock. Yeah, so there, it was virtually impossible. Not impossible, but they knew they were coming for that. And then they get a career high on top of that, along with, hey, I'm going to dish it out. You know, that what a game. Uh, I watched Kobe's last game. I never watched regular season NBA basketball, ever. But I knew Co- what Kobe was. And watching him score 60 in his swan song, you know, was great. This to break a record just is another 
level of you know greatness like insanity like it's just incredible to yeah they got every penny i spent 500 dollars on it and i got every penny is worth which i think is hard to say like there's not too often that i would say you can leave a building with that feeling and i i think you could have left it with that but 49 points uh, i think for points she was responsible for i believe um it was 79 points that she was responsible for last night between the points and assists and I believe, if I read correctly, somewhere on Twitter by one of the stats companies, um, that it's the most by any D1 man or women's player in the last 25 years, which is Incredible. just unbelievable. Um, so Caitlin Clark does Caitlin Clark things. And, um, I mean, there's going to be so many different pieces about the job she did and the career she's had. But uh, everything that goes into – the mystique or the legend that is Caitlin Clark just showed itself last night in, in mm -hmm. a real fashion. Yeah. And, and you know what, there's, uh, there's talk that, you know, that I guess the, I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched up to a certain point and then I, I, I stopped, but uh, it, they uh, were chanting one more year, one more year. <laughs> and I heard somebody else bring up that, you know, while they get that, you know, it's a selfish, uh, an understandably selfish, uh, home crowd thing saying one more year we want you for one more year they said but if you really thought about it and wanted to still enjoy Caitlin Clark as a professional you want her to go now and probably be the number one pick in the WNBA draft and go to Indiana to where it's still accessible if she sticks at, at Iowa yeah you get that one more year but what if LA or Phoenix or Seattle gets that first pick and takes her away from where you're at at least with Indiana, you have a, a, a feasibility of driving there occasionally. No, that's true. That's true. And and why wouldn't you want to watch some of that? I mean, again, yeah. we talk about the incredible <laughs> game that was. That was it was hard to believe uh, watching it. Just it's it goes into as we said the mystique, the legend that makes some of these great phenoms great phenoms. And she still and, has uh, more games. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're still coming down the stretch of the Big Ten season. And maybe the craziest part of this is we talk Big Ten basketball, and we'll probably we'll probably end up switching to men's basketball here in a moment and then come back to women's basketball. But Iowa is in second place in the Big Ten. Like, we're talking about Ohio State might win the Big Ten regular season and kind of rip that out from right underneath them. Um, but that is a conversation we can have a little bit later on as well. But if we switch over to Big Ten men's basketball for a minute – I didn't think yeah. there were a ton of terribly interesting games uh, in the past few days. Um, you, you, you got a finger pointed at me. Do you got one? Last night, Minnesota had Purdue down at, at Mackey by yep. 10 points late, and it took a comeback by Purdue to come back and win that ball game. Yep. No, that's a fair point. And I think that continues to, to go to the point that what Ben Johnson has done this year is absolutely incredible. We sung his praises last week, but it's incredible that he's still got this gopher team fighting and clawing with one of the best teams in the country. And yeah. for Purdue, at what point does Braden Smith get a triple-double? I mean, he has flirted with triple-doubles time and time again, and he just hasn't gotten one. But what an incredible year Braden Smith has had as well. Well, and I – Oh, well, Dalton left. Uh, he'll be back in. Uh, and to, to kind of uh, piggyback on that is, you know, Mike DeCourcy even talked about him being a, a, an all Big Ten player. And it's, it's a matter of, 
when does he finally get recognized? He was he he's not a finalist on the Bob Cousy Award uh, for the best point guard in the in the country. And uh, you have Matt Painter saying, "Hey, if you think he's uh, the eleventh best uh, point guard in the country, then." then I want you to coach in the in the Big Ten because we're going to get a couple of wins each year against you as a whole. And it was it's a matter of, you know, when does he finally get recognized? Uh, you know, there are criticisms. He had issues last year as a freshman uh, on handling the press. He's gotten a ton better. His stats are just as equally as good as what they were uh, last year and even better this year to to where it doesn't make sense as to why Braden Smith's not being included as a a potential uh, uh, all Big Ten or best uh, point guard in the country. But I think Dalton's right. I think here very soon he's flirted with a, a, a triple-double multiple times uh, throughout the course of the season. And uh, I, I think it's just a matter of time uh, before – he uh you know finally does break through and maybe maybe that's what it'll take uh to get him uh recognized as as uh the point guard that he is on what many would say uh the best team in in the country a lot would say that let's say it that way a lot of people would call it uh uh dalton's having issues right now um, so right now he's, uh, he's still trying to get in. Uh, but my point on the, the whole, uh, uh, Braden Smith part is, is eventually he's going to be seen as what he is. Um, and that is a very solid, uh, number one, who's going to run your, run your program or run your offense in a very uh, methodical and, and create his own shots while still making others better. I'm going to tell him to keep trying. And then we'll move on. Uh, but to, to Minnesota, uh, what I brought up to Dalton prior to that is, is Minnesota uh, keeps impressing me. Uh, yeah, there, there, there is, uh, you know, Purdue maybe struggling. And Dalton, I'm just getting ready to start talking again about uh, uh, Minnesota. Is uh, They impressed me because they're playing with one of the better teams, if not the best team in the country. And they're still hanging, even though they had the the lowest expectation this year in the Big Ten. They're doing things that maybe like Northwestern was doing last year, maybe not to the success mark, but still the some of those things that they just keep doing well. Oh, I completely agree. And by the way, for the total behind the curtain look, because why not? We got nothing else to hide at this point. I'm off Wi-Fi. I'm using my cellular data. So if I drop out again, I I mean, that's the I think I'm having an issue with my Internet. So that's where we currently are. So if you lose me again, I will try to to rejoin once more. But um, yeah, talking about Minnesota and it's interesting, too, because, I mean, we talk about the, the great job that Ben Johnson's done. And you bring in some different pieces because this is a Minnesota team that, again, lost Jameson Battle during this offseason. He went to mm-hmm. Ohio State, yeah. um, which I think we talked about last week. Jameson Battle has to be looking at the standings like, you've got to be kidding me. Yes. Because Minnesota is so high up there in the standings. Uh, but they've been able to blend some experience, uh, bring in a couple of, of upperclassmen transfers in. They've had some young players, and it's all blended right. together pretty well but again i you got to give a lot of credit to ben johnson but you brought up northwestern for a moment that's where i really wanted to go as well because for northwestern they got some devastating news 
this yes. were there without Ty Berry for the rest of the way. Ty Berry was the Robin to Boo Booey's Batman, if you will. I mean, that, that was a killer one-two backcourt combo. And now without Barry, there's big questions about Northwestern, a team that's sitting on the bubble as we go down the home stretch. Well, and then they go to Piscataway last night and lose. Like that, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and, and it's, yeah, it's kind of almost, that was Northwestern's replacement of Chase Audige, at least into the level of, not the defensive necessarily, but as that, that, that sidekick to Boo Booey. Because Boo Booey is an all Big Ten player, or, you know, he's, he's a great guard. Uh, if it weren't for Zach Eady, he'd probably be in the argument for player of the year in the Big Ten. Like, that's how yep. good Boo Booey is. And yep. so, so Barry was filling in that spot that Chase Audige left as that secondary player for the Wildcats and not to have them and, and not to have him now going forward, you kind of wonder what's going to happen with Northwestern. Are they going to still make the tournament or are we, or is the conference as a whole losing a bid because of one injury? Well, and it's crazy, too, because we also talk about the, the home versus away success in the Big Ten Conference, and I, I pulled yeah. up Northwestern here. Northwestern's still undefeated in Big Ten play at home, but they go on the road and they're 1-6 and six in Big Ten action. Um, and last night's game, they only scored 60 points. They lost 63-60 to 60 to Rutgers, as you mm-hmm. talked about. Boo Booey had 27 points for the Cats. I mean, he's scoring half the team's points, and they, they still can't quite find a way. So the question then becomes – who does step up as legitimate offensive threats to accompany Boo Booey? Um, that's going to be fascinating to see because, I mean, you talk about it might be a potential bid loss for the Big Ten Conference. I mean, Northwestern sitting there, and Nebraska is still firmly on that bubble as well. We talk about a differential between home versus away, undefeated at home, yeah. can't win on the road, literally. I mean, 7-0 at home, 0-7 away from the bank or, or the vault. And I, I think – if you take a look, because a lot of the bracketology has the Big Ten Conference with six teams right now, and if those two are kind of on that bubble, and uh, I mean, Nebraska, there's nothing necessarily bad against them that's recent. It's uh, Northwestern that you have question marks about how do they recover and kind of find their footing yeah. down the stretch. I, I think Michigan State found itself in with that win over Illinois uh, over the weekend against a top 10 Illinois team. And I think the win at Penn state, I mean, now Michigan state's at eight and six in the big 10. I think they are going into the tournament. I mean, there's always the potential that you lose right the next like five of six and it's right. all very different. But I, I think you would agree that they're now in good standing to be in the dance. Well, and even before that, like uh, even before they won against Illinois and before they beat Penn State, you still kind of thought they're pretty confidently firm in yeah. there. Now they could still, if they had a lost to you know Penn State after losing to Illinois, maybe they're on shakier ground. But they won both of those games, so I think yeah, they took a step up, up further even to solidify. Now, like you said anything can happen going forward but if the de- if the season ended this moment they would easily and solidly be in the tournament i think well and, and one of the big things too so michigan state's got six games left for the regular season a road trip to michigan which ann arbor even when they haven't been good like it's just been tough but honestly that rivalry you can go through and almost just chalk it up to the home team like whoever's really? at yeah. home has won for the last five years i think 
Um, so Michigan State's got to try and, and get that monkey off its back. Uh, but then the you look down the the rest of the the regular season for them. They got a road trip to to Mackey sprinkled in there. I believe they host Ohio State, who is now without Chris Holtman. We haven't even gotten to that piece yeah, of news yet. Yeah. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, host Iowa uh, mentioned the trip to Mackey. They have Northwestern at home, which now is an interesting game, given that Ty Berry's out. Northwestern needs that game. Um, and a road trip to Indiana, to Bloomington, to finish out the regular season. Um, but let's go ahead and pivot then, because, I mean, we've, we've covered some of that terrain. Was that a but Friends Ohio- reference? Or the a basketball pivot. reference. Pivot. <laughs> um, Ohio State firing head coach Chris Holtman. Um, this was interesting to me, Sam. Not so much that he was fired. I think rumors were swirling for some time. And, and there's other coaches' hot seat rumors. Like, those exist. Um, but I thought it was interesting to see when Ohio State made the decision to do it here in the middle of the season uh, with some games left to go. Yeah, that that's the confusing thing. And, and, and to me, it would, and we'll never know, I'm sure, but to me, it lends to, it had gotten so bad that it was best for them to get rid of him so they could move forward. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, I don't know if like, the players and the coaches were bickering or he was bickering with the players or it was just so uncomfortable and not potentially a a world or a, an environment that is conducive to win anything that they thought, you know what, best thing to do is just let's cut ties now. You go on your way. We'll go forward too. And it, it presents you a little bit of an opportunity where Jake Diebler, the associate head coach, now will be taking over in the interim uh, kind of gets an audition, but the and bad maybe part, that's by design. Uh, but the bad part is, okay, congrats, you're taking a four and ten Big Ten team. You still have Purdue on the schedule, Michigan State on the schedule. Good luck, buddy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it has a little bit of a feeling of that. Um, and I don't know how strongly they're considering Jake Diebler. Um, obviously, he's been in Ohio State in a couple of different stints for years, and obviously, his family's. Right pretty deep into Ohio high school hoops. And of course, John Diebler, his younger brother played at Ohio state was a great Buckeye for a long time. Um, So I, I find that part fascinating. What else I find really interesting. And again, I don't know what this means. It just was an observation. Gene Smith, the athletic director is retiring soon. He's on his way out. Ohio state has its new AD coming in Ross Bjork from Texas A&M. And Gene Smith has publicly said that this was his decision to fire Chris Holtman. And so I find it interesting that on his way out that he makes the decision. I don't know if that's him being trying to do something right and not put Ross Bjork in a tough spot when he takes the job. Um, I, I don't know exactly what goes into that, but I don't think you see too often an AD outgoing making a move like this before the new regime that has already been announced ushers itself in. Um, and, and like I said, maybe the motive is Gene saying, look, let me be the bad guy. Let me have the hard conversation. Um, it was my hire. I can, I can handle that. I got a lot of respect for Holtman. And you could tell, by the way, he, he talked about Chris Holtman afterwards. But I found that part, whether right, whether wrong, for whatever reason, just really fascinating. I'm wondering if... 
that there was conversations between the Gene Smith and the incoming new AD, and he's like, "Look, I'm going to make a, a move," mm-hmm. you know, and maybe Gene Smith has a relationship with Holtman enough that he's like, "Let me do this, okay? I'll do it. You get to clean slate, hire who in the ever world you want to hire, but I'm going to make this since we have the relationship. I hired him. Let's, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna let him know this is where the university's going." And yeah. maybe Holtman was like, okay, well, I'm just going to leave now. You know, yeah. maybe that's, I. We, like I said, we're never going to know. But it is really interesting to yeah. see that play out that way. Um, and, and it also kind of struck for me uh, the curiosity of why this didn't work at Ohio State. Because early on, I mean, I, I think people forget when Chris Holtman got the job, um, Ohio State was in contention of winning the Big Ten. Kata Bates, Diop, and, and that crew uh, were wow. right there to maybe win uh, the Big Ten championship. It, it just lost by a couple games. You fast forward a couple more years. You had a couple of maybe NCAA tournament big upsets go against you. Um, nobody really knows what could have happened in the COVID year. I believe that was an EJ Liddell team. Um, remember how good Ohio State was during that time frame and so maybe maybe that's a missed opportunity that if that tournament happens with that team maybe ohio state goes on a a little bit of a run at least to a second weekend and maybe that changes some things about the perception but Mm -hmm. i i find the the downward spiral really interesting and you take a look at the last couple of years and the last two or three years you've brought in young players uh, who were very talented, and then they leave after a year, and it just felt like things weren't able to build or sustain uh, here in the last couple of years. Well, look at even last year. Like, you, you had one of the best players in – I mean, he was an all-Big Ten. Bryce Sensball was a Big Ten player – or, you know, all-Big Ten player, and they lost 13 in a row. Yep. I, I'm, I just don't get – the. I don't want to dump it all on Holtman, but something went wrong or went a different way, and it just wasn't clicking with the guys he was bringing in, even though he had a lot of talent. And yeah. now some of that has to fall back on the players in the aspect of, you know, they're not performing, you know, maybe to where what they were expected, but still, you just there's something that just didn't jive right, and it doesn't make sense because Holtman, great at Butler. And then when mm-hmm. he came over over to Ohio State, people were clamoring over the move. Like this was a great move by Ohio State. You know, they they got their guy. You know, and now we're at what we're at. And I, I find it interesting too because I thought Holtman was a great hire as well at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find it interesting that like when we evaluate kind of the the downfall of Ohio State basketball here in the last couple of years, like. You're right. Bryce Sensiball, incredibly talented. A couple of freshmen they got now, incredibly talented. Yeah. But there's no real upperclassmen experience uh, to blend. I mean, there there are, but you know what I'm saying? Like right. the best players year after year were freshmen, and it just felt like there wasn't enough experience to help and, and lend itself to get this team and this program to where it needed to be. And I find that part of it really interesting because you go back to the Butler days and of course there's a ton of experience from right. what I had. Different programs have different, you know, outcomes. You know, the the mid majors, 
they tend to have, you know, that full senior leadership. And it was almost like Chris Holtman was re, you know, his, his roster was overturning in two years rather than four. So the old yeah. kids were sophomores rather than, you know, that senior leadership. And I think that's what you're getting at is, is it just seems like they were always learning. There were always a, a good portion of your roster relearning or learning the, the offense and learning the program. It just seemed like they were always in a learning, learning pattern. Yeah. It, it really was interesting to see, but I hope well for Chris Holtman because he's, he's been one of the, the joys to kind of watch uh, in coaching for a while. Um, if we stay with big 10 men's basketball for a moment here, Sam, yeah, I, we start taking a look. I mean, we're, three weeks away from the end of the regular season and everybody going to Minneapolis for the big 10 tournament and Purdue, as we mentioned towards the beginning, has a two and a half game lead on the rest of the pack at this point. Um, If we start having the conversation of looking ahead to the big 10 tourney, double buys, Uh, Purdue's at 12 and two, Illinois at nine and four, Wisconsin nine and five. Then you have Northwestern and Michigan state, both at eight and six. Nebraska seven and seven, and then it's Minnesota, Indiana, Rutgers, all at six and seven. If you had to pick the four teams that are going to get the double buys, finishing the top four of the conference right now, who would they be? Golly, I, I think I think Michigan State's going to end up getting one of those those double buys. They're they're playing at a at a good clip now. That's going to allow them to eventually get into that 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 double buy. I think. And I think the other three are go- are good. I think it's going to be Purdue, yeah. Illinois, Wisconsin, and I think Michigan State's going to be that fourth team that gets the double bye. Yeah. I mean, Nebraska, I don't think, has, has proven enough away no. from Pinnacle Bank Arena. I, I think Northwestern, there's just too big of a question mark with Ty Berry being hurt. Michigan State now is starting to get some really solid play out of its upperclassmen. Malik mm-hmm. Hall and A.J. Hogard shifted into a different gear this last week. And if you get both of them playing consistently like that, then we start to see a little bit more about what the preseason expectations were like for Michigan State and why there was so much praise um, and and such a high expectation heading into the season. Um, That part I find to be really fascinating because I don't know that much has really changed with Michigan State besides those two just playing at a high level. And I will say, I think Michigan State started to get out in transition. Like, I don't think teams – teams are always aware that Michigan State wants to get out and run, right? And I think they've done a pretty mm-hmm. good job throughout the year of getting back and uh, trying to force Michigan State to playing into the half court. And Michigan State just has forced its will in transition the last couple of games. And I, and that's where Michigan State's at its best. That's, that's where you're going to see the Spartans get up into the 70s and 80 points is when they force themselves to get out and run even after made baskets – doesn't matter and that's what you've seen recently well we we often question like even as late as last week we were still wondering you know has tom Izzo figured it out you know what's he gonna go with is he gonna go young is he gonna go small is he gonna just keep going uh with what he's been doing and he kept doing what he's been doing all year and then all of a sudden it's like something's clicked at least in the the past week and they've beaten Illinois and they've beaten Penn State. You know, and while while Penn State is six and eight, but they're that's around five hundred. They're one of the I mean, shoot, other than Ohio State and Michigan, everybody's within uh what is it, 
three and a half games of one another. I mean, the, the two games, two games, all but. Yeah. So if you take the top three away and the bottom two, the nine teams that are three game within three games of each other. So Penn State's not a bad team necessarily for the conference, you know. And so you're right. Penn Those State wins. is two games away from the double bye in the Big Ten tournament right now. That's but the yet they're sitting. But yet they're sitting behind or in front of only Iowa, Ohio State, <laughs> and Michigan. So they're, they're they're two games behind the double bye, but right now they're playing in the twelve uh, thirteen game <laughs> opening up in Minneapolis. Makes I mean, so much game. sense. <laughs> like they literally could win. You know, things fall the right way, and all of a sudden they are. You know, they're they got they don't play till. Friday, you know, and <laughs> insane. Uh, it, it, well, and it's a lot like last year. If you remember last year, the parody from top to bottom, everybody was fighting in the middle amongst like one game. Um, it was the most, it was almost big 12 basketball, like where everybody finishes like nine and nine uh, to right. finish the year here in the, the last couple of years. Um, but I, I think it's a little bit of the concern too, especially given the, the talk of the Big Ten Conference this year. I mean, we mentioned a lot of the bracketologists have six Big Ten teams in as of now, mm-hmm. and bracketologists are a little questionable on Nebraska-Northwestern, as we were talking earlier. I mean, with Northwestern's injury to Tiberian, unless they're able to find a way uh, to find their footing, and we mentioned they dropped to Rutgers after last night after that injury, um, unless they can find their footing, unless Nebraska can start figuring out how to win on the road, the Big Ten might end up with just four teams in the dance. And I don't remember the last time that number was that low. It had to have been a season when there was no more than 11 teams in the conference. Like, seriously, that's not me joking. Like, it might have even been before Penn State joined the Big Ten the last time the Big Ten only had four. And, and of course, people are like, might say, well, four, you know, they get an awful, you never do anything with them anyways. Why do you deserve more? results is not the point. It's evaluation of the teams to get into the tournament. How they perform has nothing to do with filling the field. The Big Ten always has five to six, maybe even seven teams, depending on how many teams are in their conference that that are willing or worthy enough of being in the field of 64 then 65 now 68 you know and so it's uh four teams would be shocking you know if that's all the big 10 ended up with and i'm trying to find like the uh the conference breakdown for the ncaa tournament so last year and we can go year by year but last year the big 10 ended up with eight teams in and 2022 the Big Ten ended up with nine teams in. Um, I'll keep working myself backwards here. The COVID year 2021, the Big Ten finished with nine teams in again. I was going to say that was the back-to-back years right there that they had nine yes. teams each year. Yeah. Yes. Uh, 2020, uh, there was no tournament, COVID. Um, but the 2019 tournament, Big Ten had eight teams in. Like, we're already now – five years back and we haven't seen a tourney with less than eight teams at this point. Um, 2018, the big 10 finished with just four teams in. So there we go. That's the last time the big 10 was that low. Wow. Was six years ago. Um, That's I'm it? Surprised. Yeah. That, the, that, that was that huh. year. 
I'm trying to find the those bidders because that would have been Michigan because Michigan played in the championship game that year, so they lost to Villanova uh, down there in San Antonio. Yeah. Uh, Michigan State lost to Syracuse in that second round game, which is was that Purdue North Texas the year Purdue got beat by North Texas. Let me see, because Ohio State would have had to have been in this tournament too. Um, so Purdue, oh, that's right, that's right. Um, Purdue got to the Sweet 16 in 18, but they lost to Texas Tech. Texas Tech, yes. And then the next year they got beat by... Because they beat Butler in the second round game, and I think that was the game where Isaac Haas hurt his elbow, if I remember correctly. Um, and they just didn't You're have right. enough to, to beat Texas Tech. Um, and Michigan got to the championship game, as we said. Ohio State lost to Gonzaga that year. So those were the four teams... Uh, from the Big Ten that year. But it's not often you see that low of a bid number from the Big Ten Conference. Um, right. But this year, if Nebraska Northwestern can't quite get right, the Big Ten's in danger of that. Well, I, I guess uh, even with four teams, only four teams, if that were the case, it, maybe it's the case of, well, we – and couldn't do anything with nine, and you said we were watered down, so we'll give you our four best, and maybe we've got a shot. I don't know. I this is, and we kind of we kind of thought that it might be a down year. We thought it would be Purdue, yeah. and Michigan, and we didn't know who else would be there. Michigan or Michigan State. State. Sorry, I caught myself there. Did you hear that? I, I say <laughs> <laughs> Michigan you can State. Feel me coming through I, the well. The I boat. could feel the dirtiness of of saying. <laughs> No, but other than Purdue and Michigan State, we just weren't sure where where the third, fourth, and so forth teams were. Now it's turned out that Michigan State's getting taking their sweet time getting to the point where they are were playing where they should be or were expected. But yeah, I mean, honestly, we're not completely shocked. I think you know maybe yeah. by who the four teams are, but not shocked that there are only about that many teams that are are going to make it. Well, and I feel like, especially with the 20-game conference schedule, the Big Ten usually is able to kind of slap that down at the end in terms of metrics and say, look, we've played each other all year long and we're a tough conference. But the conference just hasn't had as powerful of a leg to stand on this year based on the non-conference and different things. I mean, Purdue played well in the non-conference, but outside of that, a lot of the other teams – didn't terribly impress. I mean, from top to bottom uh, right. of the Big Ten Conference. I mean, there there's there were wins. Michigan State beat Baylor in the non-conference. Illinois had big wins in the non-conference. But for the most part, like collectively, this was not the kind of year that it typically is for the Big Ten. And if it ends up just with four, that'll be really interesting. Um, but as we said, Nebraska and Northwestern still have chances. We talked about Northwestern uh, the rest of the way, but let's pull up Nebraska's schedule and and kind of see what we feel here. Because again, Nebraska, a bit of a heckle and jide team. Uh, Jekyll and Jekyll Hyde. And Hyde. That's funny. <laughs> um, but but um, it, when they're at home, they don't lose. When they're on the road, they don't win. Um, the rest of the way, they are hosting Penn State. That is tomorrow at noon. Um, and then next Wednesday, they go to Bloomington. Then next Sunday, they host Minnesota. The following Thursday, they're at Ohio State. The following Sunday, they host Rutgers. And then they finish the year at Michigan. Look, there's a lot of opportunities there. With If Nebraska wants to get into the dance, they could grab their shoes if they take care of business in those final six. 
And, you know, I mean, that gets them a couple wins on the road, which they haven't been able to do. And that would that would solidify uh, maybe a little bit more of a justification to have them in. Uh, I'm not saying that they're not justified if they don't win, uh, but it would it would just solidify the justification. Look, they can win. It just took some time, you know, and they've won on the road, maybe only one game. But they've won on the road, so it's not like they are, are Ohio State, which is 0-7 on true road games right now, right. You know, and which is, I believe, all seven of them are probably Big Ten uh, related. But um, yeah, I think Nebraska is probably, of the two teams, Nebraska and Northwestern, Northwestern has to prove more now. They have to keep winning at the clip that they've done up to this point, even though they've lost one of their, their, their second, their Robin like you stated earlier, you know, uh, so they have a little bit more to prove. They've got to keep winning in order for me to say, okay, yeah, they're still a tournament team because they were doing that with Barry. Now that they don't have him and they're not going to have him, this is the team that's going to be representing Northwestern. If they can't keep winning, they honestly, I don't know that they deserve a spot. Um, maybe a play in, you know, an, or an opening round, you know, to where they play into a, a 12 seed or whatever, maybe that, but Nebraska to me has even to this point now, if they don't win a, a road game, maybe they're still in the play in game as well, mm-hmm. uh, an opening round game as well. But if they win at Ohio state or at Michigan or both, I think they get a buy into the, the, the regular first and second round. Yeah, no, that's, that's totally fair. Um, before we segue over to Big Ten women's basketball for a moment, is there, or first off, some house cleaning, cleaning. Is there anything we didn't get to on the men's side that you still had on tap? Um, no, not. I mean, other than other than IU, just doesn't seem like they're they're kind of floundering. Yeah. And you know, we talked about it a little bit last week about you know whether Mike Woodson is on the hot seat, and and I think unrightfully he is. Uh, he's only been there. This is his third season. He's made the tournament his first two. And so for him to go and maybe struggle this year, maybe even though he wasn't supposed to, but honestly, they're kind of right at the point where we kind of thought IU was going to be anyway, but, uh, you know, they, they started two and oh, that was their biggest downfall. I think is they started two and oh, and sat for two weeks atop the big 10 and people were looking at this can't be IU. This can't be, you know, and then all of a sudden they came crashing down and started performing to where we thought they would. So other than that, uh, no, because, I mean, Rutgers, six and seven, we thought we'd be there. Minnesota, we've already talked about them. Maryland, six and eight, that's a struggle there. I, I'm i really kind of surprised at, at Maryland. But oh, same. I, I, uh, but, but we have the same concerns as we had last week, so there's nothing new to add to it. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so that's Indiana. a long way. That's a long way around to say, yeah, we're good. Indiana just has refused to win big games all season long. They yeah. just simply refuse to, to win the bigger games. Um, before we segue then to Big Ten women's basketball, uh, Super Bowl 58 took place this past weekend, and you had shared with the listeners that you had quite the, the menu on tap. Yeah. Uh, you had sent me some photos, and I was at a game at the time, so like mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to fully respond. But you want to share with the folks how it ended up uh, and everything you had on the plates? They were fabulous. Things worked out <laughs> fabulously. I had uh, I did take pictures of the brats that I was smoking 
Uh, then I get sent you a picture of the finished one where I put the cheese and the onions and the jalapenos and everything and let them smoke and, and get really uh, melty, the cheese and everything. And then I cut those up into coins onto my Cheddar Bay Biscuit waffles, which were, again, phenomenal. The one thing I will say is it is advisable to have some melted butter to slather over those while they're cooling down because then they soak it in and they stay nice and buttery for you when it, when you're when they've cooled that but they were they were fantastic they're it's just another way to ingest one of the greatest biscuits ever you know <laughs> um but then the cinnamon roll tortilla cinnamon rolls do you know what monkey bread is Mm-mm. so it's it's uh uh, pieces of like maybe like roll dinner rolls that have been put into a bunt cake pan, but they pull apart. So there are pieces of it and they pull apart. Okay. So it's, 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 it's also called pull apart bread or something like that too. But it, it like it, monkey bread is what I've always known it as, but you take like brown sugar and melted butter and some cinnamon and mix it Ooh. into like this, this glaze. And then you drizzle it over or put it in the bottom of the pan and then put the, the bread on it. And then when you, it's done, you flip it over and it just drizzles all over. Oh, it's amazing. But these tortillas were much like the, because I had cinnamon, uh, brown sugar and melted butter for the filling of the cinnamon rolls. So as you bake them, you pour some uh, heavy whipping cream over the top of it. So when it like caramelizes, it turns into a wonderful monkey bread style flavor. Oh, it was beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They were good. Like I, I told, told my wife, I said, I bought, I made these for everybody. I don't want to share those. So, (laughs) so they got, they got the Christmas or not the Christmas candy, the, uh, Buckeyes and the, uh, it's what we traditionally make for Christmas time. Uh, chocolate covered peanuts. They got to eat those. I ate the cinnamon roll tortilla cinnamon rolls. Next year it might be a tailgate at the Sprunners. <laughs> that is, but, but that yeah, overall, amazing. and and then I grilled twenty four hot dogs for everybody else too. So if like my eight year old wanted a hot dog, he got a hot dog. So Nathan's. I mean, um, they were ballpark. Okay. Um... <laughs> wow, I just got judged. <laughs> Definitely did. Nathan's Nathan's is the way to go. 100%. I'm not saying I don't enjoy Nathan's. I just had ballparks in the freezer. You shouldn't have had them in the freezer. But oh. let's move to Big Ten women's basketball. Okay. Oh, <laughs> never we, felt we, we so talk judged. About the, yeah, we talk about the men's basketball season uh, starting to really ramp up down the home stretch. The women's basketball season even more so because uh, they will finish the regular season a week ahead of the men. And right, right. now... Ohio State leads the rest of the pack by a game with four games to play in the top three, really in consideration of that Big Ten title. Ohio State 13 and one, Iowa 12 and two, Indiana 12 and two. Um, Ohio State and Iowa still have to play again this year. Of course, you remember how it happened in Columbus. The Buckeyes got the win. Cody McMahon had 33 points, but they go to Iowa City to close out the year. That's obviously going going to be a huge game. But with just four games left, this is really ramping up. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that game in Iowa City works out. It's almost uh, reminiscent of last year where where, Indiana Indiana had to go and play in Iowa City and Caitlin Clark hit a buzzer beater. Or no, it wasn't Caitlin Clark. She passed it off, wasn't it? 
No, or was it Kate? Was it was Clark? Okay, she she hit a three right at the buzzer to win, and you know they got to share. I think because of that, didn't? Uh, I no, Indiana had built enough of a lead. They don't. The okay, team, so they That's wanted right. still just themselves. I got you. So uh, well, it's uh, it's it's not going to happen this year. I don't think to where Iowa and Ohio State will have enough room in between. I just don't see Iowa. I don't know. They got beat by yeah. Nebraska. That is, I mean, who saw that one coming? Uh, yeah. But right now they've, you know, Ohio State's sitting at, it, they've won 12 in a row. I don't know. It's insane. That, I don't know that they're going to get, they're going to stumble. I, and then that's not to say that it can't happen. I just don't know. They're at Penn State, Maryland versus Michigan and at Iowa to wrap up the year. Yeah. I don't know that there's a game that they're going to lose before Iowa. And Ohio State's one loss was to Michigan earlier in the year, which is right. crazy to even think about. And, and they still have to go again. But uh, watching Ohio State in the last couple of weeks, it is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ohio State's had the talent and athleticism where you knew that their ceiling was just going to be better than a lot of teams' ceilings. You right. watch them now and that full-court pressure they put on, it's, it just drowns opponents. Like, they don't know how – to handle it it's it's really an overwhelming thing um so they said at top you're right 12 wins in a row it's been incredible but from there i think is where the conversation really starts to get interesting too we talk about double buys on the men's side how about the women's side because right now you have nebraska sitting alone in fourth place at eight and six michigan state uh seven and six so a half game behind uh because they haven't played as many as nebraska Penn State, Michigan at seven and seven, Maryland at six and seven. Um, so as you kind of look at the the Big Ten tournament for the women's side, there's a lot of contention for that double bye, and there's not a lot of breathing room between fourth place and what eighth, ninth place. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> You're looking at, you know, Nebraska in fourth at five games back from Ohio State, and then Purdue is eight and a half back. And they're uh, what twelfth? Yeah, <laughs> it's just like the men in that aspect that you know Purdue's sitting. Yeah, they're they're three games. I mean, granted, there's only what th- uh, three more games, I guess. So they've they're like you said, they're progressed a week. So I guess it's not as clustered as much as possible. But I mean, like within a game and a half, there's five teams. Yeah, and and that'll be fascinating to see how it plays down the stretch. But the the part that is different the narrative being different than on the men's side is for a lot of these women's teams they are looking to be in if you look at the bracketologists on the big 10 women's side they're projecting seven teams into the dance right now at least charlie cream is of espn um and an eighth one close his first team out as of this morning is maryland um so the terps are right there but another team that is just there on that last four in is michigan and that counts it takes into effect last night's loss at Iowa city. Um, but so you got those two teams really on the bubble. Uh, Penn state's worked itself a little bit away from the bubble. Penn state's a 10 seed as of now, according to Charlie Kareem. Um, Nebraska's an eight seed now, according to Charlie Kareem. Uh Michigan state, a seven seed, according to Charlie. And then Indiana's a four seed. Iowa would be a two seed. And Ohio state would earn a number one seed, according to Charlie Kareem, if the season ended today. Um, so it's a little bit different there where you have maybe more teams ending up in the dance, but a couple of them are really on that bubble. Like we talked about Nebraska and Northwestern um, on the men's side. Nebraska squarely is on that bubble. Northwestern, 
doesn't have a ton of room to slip, but they're a little bit ahead of that the last, uh, last four in right. um, where Nebraska sits. But on the women's side, you got two teams squarely there on that bubble. Wow, yeah, and and the I guess the one disappointment to me would be the Illinois. They're sitting at six and eight and twelve yeah. and twelve overall, and you just didn't. I, I at least I didn't. I thought they would be a little bit higher up in, but of course we thought Same. didn't know Penn State would be necessarily as high up as they were, and you thought maybe Illinois would perform at a better clip to where you know they would be comfortably in. You know, yeah. and and here they are not even in the talk, you know, and and so you wonder, you wonder, can they do something in the tournament that maybe all of a sudden brings them to, you know, on the bubble? But uh, um, it's surprising. But uh, at the same time, um, do we anticipate Maryland makes it? It's a good question. We should actually probably pull up their schedule so I can take a look <laughs> at who they got left. Um but we talk about, I mean, some of the those teams involved. And you talk about some of the teams that are surprising. I mean, we've talked about a couple of times. Michigan State is a little bit of last year's Illinois squad in terms mm-hmm. of uh, nobody really saw that coming. And then here they came uh, from preseason basement projections to all of a sudden being a tournament team, which is just incredible. Um, and I, we could talk Michigan State, but I have pulled up the Maryland schedule for the rest of the way. Maryland hosts Penn State on Sunday. Remember, they played earlier this year, and Penn State beat them. They scored over 100 points in the, the win against the Terps. Uh, yeah, then Michigan State. Them. Yeah, and then not Michigan State, sorry. Maryland will host Rutgers after that. Rutgers in last place in the Big Ten. Uh, then Maryland will go to number two Ohio State. That's tough. Uh, then Maryland <laughs> will host Wisconsin uh, before then going to Indiana. So you got two daunting road trips still to come for the Terps. Uh, you got to take care of the rest of the games. I think Penn State's almost a must win for Maryland here this Sunday at one o'clock, which that's interesting because Penn State, too, obviously, we talked about how good of a team they are. They're in the tournament as of now. Uh, but they had a season-ending injury to Tay Valaday, who's had a great year for them. Uh, so to see how Penn State kind of gathers itself after after a tough season-ending injury loss, that will be interesting. I'm looking at the if they were to win one of two, beating Ohio State or or IU, would that be enough to push them off into the into a big top fifteen win or, or whatever? Would that be enough, or would they need to beat both of those teams to work their way off before the tournament? I think you feel very safe if you beat both, but I would imagine now, look, I, I'm no bracketology expert. I'll, I'll throw the precursor <laughs> out there. Um, but I would imagine you go to Ohio State or you go to Indiana and you pick off one of those, yeah. that, that's going to do a pretty big boost to your your bubble resume. Well, I I, I – we are a little i mean we had we were kind of high on them in our in our preseason thinking <clears throat> that they would probably perform i think as a whole the maryland programs have underperformed this year to where we expected yeah. them to be and that's yeah. not a knock on the ladies and the men that are playing it's just they're underperforming compared to what we assumed and thought they were going to do this year and, and women's basketball, I mean, of course, they, they have uh, Sellers there, who is just a tremendous player. But 
it just became a thing, right? Where, I mean, they're one of the premier programs in the country. So no matter what, you just expect Brenda Freeze and the Terps just figure things out. And I don't know that they've been able to figure this quite out. They've got great talent and sellers, uh, but the rest of the team isn't maybe up to uh, the, the typical Maryland standard that we're, we're used to, if, if that's maybe the, the right way to put it. We've, be, we've become pretty accustomed to, to Terp excellence, and yeah. this just isn't I, that this year. And I think that is maybe what's led us to be as disappointed, and I'll use the air quotes, in their performances because we've expected so much from her and seen so much from them yeah. going forward that in the past that going forward we're kind of like, whoa, this is out of the ordinary. Yeah, uh, it's been interesting. But, yeah, so that's a, a quick look at Big Ten women's basketball. As we said, only a couple of weeks left of the regular season now, which is kind of hard to, to get your mind around. But right. it's, yeah. it's really ramping up. Really ramping up. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm excited. Minneapolis. I'm a, I love March. I do too. And <laughs> Minneapolis for two weeks is just going to be a Big Ten basketball hub where you got the women's tournament come through and then the men's tournament the next week after. Man, it's, it's, it's getting there. It's getting exciting too. So. Yep. Zach well, Eady will turn the lights off as he leaves. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll be talking a lot about uh, the Big Ten tourneys coming up in the, the following yeah. weeks because it is right here in front of us. Um, but that'll do it for another edition of Big Talk, College Sports for the Midwest Perspective, Blue Collar and Blue Blood. Sam Sprunger, where can everybody find us? Yeah, on uh, the TikToks, the Instagram, and the platform formerly known as Twitter, you will find us at B1G underscore talk. That's B1G underscore talk, Dalton, not B-I-G, B1G underscore talk. Facebook is B1G Big Talk, not all big talk. That's a different show. They're great people, I'm sure. I've never talked to them, but I'm sure they're great people. Big Talk is who we're going for if you want Sam and Dalton. ASAP, we're every week at 9-ish in the morning. Every week we are streamed live on ASAP. Uh, Then uh, later that day we are released as a podcast through Lounge Media Group. And if you just have to watch the stream, go hit us up at Spotify. Our video and live stream or our stream is uh, available there on Spotify. So there you go. Perfect. Well, a big thank you on the way out the door to Sam for holding down the fort through my technical difficulties. Yeah, apologies well, for that. But hey, we got. I there. talked about Braden Smith for most <laughs> of the time, so it was okay. It was fine. Leave Sam alone with a microphone and see what happens. <laughs> Boilermaker talk. Well, um, it was your fault because you took <laughs> you brought it up. You brought it up and then left true. me for three it's minutes, true. so I had to make do with what I knew. A big thank you to Cellular Data for getting us through the rest yes, of the Yes, thank you. <laughs> but really, uh, all jokes aside, a big thank you to all of you for tuning in and joining us for another edition of Big Talk. For my partner, Sam Sprunger, myself, Dalton Shetler, so long, everybody. See ya.